Welcome back to the Major Journey Podcast. Today's guest is a writer and artist based in Charlotte, North Carolina. She always knew she would write, and the cannabis industry provided her with the opportunity to launch her career in a meaningful field. Originally from Alaska, she moved to North Carolina in 2018 and now provides copywriting and content creation services for cannabis and hemp companies nationwide. A storyteller at heart, her expertise brings ideas to life while helping her clients gain a deeper understanding of their mission. So without further ado, Willow Grosskreitz, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Totally. Thank you for being here with us today. So Willow, for some of you who may be new to you and your work, I think a great place to start is just, you know, from from point A, right? What brought you into the cannabis industry? How did you um, get into the niche of content writing and content creation? Um, what was that that journey like? Yeah, so when I first moved to North Carolina, I was really anxious and decided to start my career as a writer, but I didn't know how to do it or what I was going to do. I was just waiting for something to kind of present itself to me that I could um, explore and follow through on. And in the beginning of 2019, my aunt who owns a recreational dispensary out in Washington state, she invited me to a CBD expo in Indianapolis. And I went, um, and I was there to babysit my cousin, (laughs) but I ended up listening into some of the panels and I saw the need for content and education that the CBD industry needed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought, well, that could be a really great opportunity for me because we have hemp in North Carolina. And also, you know, cannabis always meant something to me personally. Um, It helped me with issues with anxiety and depression when I was younger. So I had a special place for it in my heart. Um, And so I knew that in writing about it, you know, my why would be really strong and it could, you know, help me go through all the challenges that may present themselves. So I just started learning everything I could. Um connecting with people on LinkedIn. But because I was still in the process of moving my life from Alaska to North Carolina, Mm -hmm. uh, long story short, I went back to Alaska that summer to get my car and ended up living with my aunt in Washington for about three or four months. And I worked in her store. So I got some really cool hands-on industry experience, um, actually talking to people and working with the product. So that was really valuable. And then when I got back to North Carolina, I got a job managing a CBD store uh, right up the street from where I live. So that was like really convenient. And I also was able to write their blog and do their social media. So I got kind of got my toes in the water with the content side of things. Um, and then COVID happened yeah. <laughs> and the store shut down and I got laid off and I was kind of bummed out. But it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because it, it forced me to double down on the writing. And mm-hmm. I'd started just, you know, sitting down on my computer every day and being like, what can I do to, you know, further what I'm trying to do? So I just kept connecting with people and researching and learning and just, you know, writing stuff for my own benefit. Um, And then I found the Woman Employed in Cannabis Facebook group. It's an organization based out of California, but they're nationwide. Uh, And I definitely recommend any woman in the cannabis or hemp industry listening to this to check them out and join because it's just a great network of people and that's where I met a lot of my first clients. And from there, it's just been a, a process of referrals. And um, I've done some networking in Charlotte, too, with different CBD brands. Um, and yeah, that's how I got to how, where I am now. That's awesome. So it, it's really cool how you just kind of took a step back and you were like, all right, I'm going to wait for an opportunity to present itself. And that one event that you went to really just kind of turned everything on and, yeah, and created was- the momentum. 
it was serendipity or whatever you want to call it. I, you know, I always knew like, this is what I want to do, but how and what, you know, they don't really teach you in school how to mm-hmm. start your career. It was very like traditional, like, oh, you could be a teacher or you could be a journalist. And I didn't really, right. that didn't appeal to me at the time. So I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm glad that the, the hemp industry was where it was back then because it was, you know, we still didn't really know a whole lot about CBD. And when I first started learning, I went down so many rabbit holes. Um, but it, it worked out because, you know, here we are now. Exactly. So what was, I'm, I'm so curious to get your take on this. Did you have like a, like a favorite thing about working at your aunt's, uh, dispensary in Washington, or was there just something really cool that always stood out to you about working in that environment? Because I think at that time, like you mentioned, you were fairly new to like working in the industry. You were familiar with cannabis and the plant and all of that um so what was that experience like it was a really cool experience uh, I was 21 when I was there so I was like cool. you know freshly able to actually be in the store um I was two things stood out to me one just how much product there was I and mean, it was insane mm. how much stuff they have in the back room uh, and how much you you know you're like I don't really know what is what like there's so much to choose from um but also just how happy everybody was like everybody who came Mm. into the store even if they'd had a bad day they were happy to be there and they just wanted to relax and mellow out and just have some fun so it was a really good environment to be in yeah it's pretty cool how like being in like being in that situation and being in that role and working at a dispensary like that to your point it's almost like you become a part of somebody's day Mm-hmm. Right. And you're able to kind of like flip that switch and turn their day around. I think that's that's so cool. Um, and so like with all of those experiences, what's your take on the cannabis industry or for right now, the, specifically the hemp uh, industry here in North Carolina? Do you think do you think we you know, have a light at the end of the tunnel for the next two, three years? Or do you think it might take longer or do you have any like intuitive feelings about kind of how long that path is going to take? Yeah, I feel like it's going to take a while. Um, I think we'd be lucky if we got medical, but the bills I've seen and read and heard about are kind of atrocious. Like Mm -hmm. they would completely eliminate the local hemp economy and just hand it over to the big multi-state operators. And I, you know, I want people who have medical issues to have access to cannabis, but only 3% of North Carolinians would qualify for medical cannabis. So, you know, that leaves a lot of people who who do have conditions that they do need at least hemp or, you know, Delta 8 or whatever for, you know, kind of at a loss. So I think that I I appreciate the hemp industry that is here in the state. And I think that they're doing a good job of growing and, you know, going forward with purpose. And I think that to get to a point where we can have legalization, we need to you know, join more forces together and do more things together. And also, the, I think there's a lot more education that needs to happen for the state as a whole, um, politically, and also, you know, just the general population. You know, in my little world, I work from home, my friend circle isn't super large. So in my world, cannabis is normal, like it's, mm-hmm. there's nothing crazy or scary about it. Um, but for example, I went over to my friend's parents house the other month, and she was like, don't tell them what you write about. I was like, oh, I forget that there's still a lot yeah. of stigma out here. So I think we we have a long way to go in terms of education before we can, you know, get that legal access. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And I, when I first moved here from New York, I was thinking to myself, okay, don't basically what you just described, don't specifically tell people which industry you work in until you get a feel for if they're cool about this or not, because you might be looked at as like the neighborhood drug dealer, um, <laughs> which is totally the opposite. But yeah, and then once you start to like, get a feel for certain people's level of comfort with it, once you start telling them what you do, I feel like the reaction is still like, oh my God, you work in the cannabis industry. Like, what is it like? And there's still this like wide-eyed reaction to it. So I totally agree. There's definitely that sense of novelty still in the state where I think maybe in other states like California, where it's it's been around for so much longer, um, it's almost becoming a lot more of a normalcy where mm -hmm. people aren't as phased by it if they smell it or if they see a dispensary on the corner or something like that. Yeah, for sure. I always approach the topic with hemp. Like, oh, I, I work in the mm -hmm. hemp industry. And some people might ask me, oh, like, what's hemp? And I always just say, you know, I, I, I was attracted to it because as a writer, cannabis and hemp touches on so many different topics. You can talk about culture, you can talk about law, politics, science, mm -hmm. botany. Like, there's so many different things that it can apply to. And I feel like when I let people know that that that's the case they're kind of like oh okay like I never thought of it like that before like in their head it's just like you know marijuana it's a drug that people use to get high it's like no it's so many other things yeah totally and so what was what was um kind of your experience with breaking out into entrepreneurship and working for yourself and stepping away from the from the so-called you know safety net or comfort of having a salary or a paycheck that you knew would consistently come in every Friday I'm curious, how did you feel about that and just kind of taking that leap and that risk? Um, because I, like as a, like all of us who start out, there's always that that time period and it's different for everybody. But there's always that period of time where you're kind of just like, OK, I just need to get that one client. I just need to get that one client. And then I know I could I could, you know, build it from there. So what was that? What was that part of the process like for you? It, it was intense, um, but honestly, that's kind of why I moved here in a roundabout sort of way. Um, when I was in Alaska, I was I was working in the restaurant industry and I was going to school full time and um, mm. I was still living at home, but I was making a lot of money. But I kind of started to realize that there was there was like emotional things with me that I was using money as a way to cover up and not address mm. or confront. Um, and I also felt like I wasn't I wasn't doing enough with my writing, what I actually wanted to do. So in moving here and not having any job, any source of income, I really kind of had to force myself to take that step. And, you know, I always knew I wanted to be a writer and do art of some kind. So I always knew in the back of my head that eventually I would face this thing in life where I you mm -hmm. know, was not going to have that consistency. Um, and, you know, my, there's a lot of people in my family who have small businesses. So I grew up seeing what it took to Ooh. get that started and to run it. Um, and I also knew that, you know, I had that within me because I was always a super good student, you know, straight A's, well-researched, really good time management skills. So the work itself never intimidated me. And, you know, writing is kind of like being in school, you know, it's a mm -hmm. lot of the same type of tasks. <laughs> um, and so when I first moved here and was like, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? I was able to like step back and breathe and then confront those things within me that I had been ignoring. And as a creative person, that's 
I think that's really important because, you know, what I do is an extension of myself. And if I'm not right within myself, my work product isn't going to be as good as it could be. So, you know, I, I knew that it was going to be really hard when I first moved here. Um, but the motto I've kind of lived by is it'll work out if you work for it. And mm -hmm. I'm kind of a workhorse. I love to work. So I just knew if I sit down for even just like two hours every day and just do something, then I'm making progress and, you know, I'll eventually get to where I want to go. Yeah. I love that motto. Um, and like, so you, so the work itself, you said never really scared you. Um, but then moving, like moving here and sort of being in like a big pond and being like, okay, where do I go? Like, where do I even start? How did you start to sort of culminate a network of referrals and your first client? Like, was it, was it emailing? Was it LinkedIn? Was it joining Facebook groups? Like, how did you kind of start networking and, and prospecting and kind of developing the sales process? Yeah, so LinkedIn was a big part of it. And then the Women Empowered and Facebook group, um, mm. they were doing some networking events, like virtual, like you get five minutes with the person and then another yeah. five minutes. Yeah, so that was really cool. And um, I met, you know, a couple ladies there. And I just feel like, especially in cannabis, there's, there's so much of an intuitiveness that you have with the other person where mm. I was able to find people who I really liked, you know, outside of a work prospect. And you know, being able to cultivate a relationship that's a little bit deeper than just a transactional, oh, I'm going to write some copy for you, uh, mm -hmm. helped me get a lot of referrals. And you know, like, I would say almost 90% of the business I get is from a referral. So it's just, you know, you get one or two good clients, and then they can refer you to their friends, and you just kind of get into a little network, uh, which is also what I love about cannabis is because it's so community centric, because we know that not everybody understands what we're doing and that there's still a lot of stigma but right. once you find that circle that you fit into you can you know start to grow it yeah and that's that's one of the cool things about it I, I remember when i first got into the industry i heard a lot of folks were kind of just getting screwed by people coming in from outside industries trying to make a quick buck they were over promising under delivering charging unbelievable rates just because it was cannabis so they thought that they could charge all this money make a bunch of money but long story short they just ended up burning a bunch of bridges and leaving bad tastes in people's mouths and so now it's almost like word of mouth and referral and being a part of somebody's network of trust is such a huge factor and i've experienced it myself as well some of the best relationships clients and just outcomes of a of a project or a campaign will almost always come from somebody that came in through some form of referral um and i totally agree i think this industry is is really built heavily on community network and being able to tap somebody on the shoulder and be like look i need somebody i could trust with this skill set or xyz skill set do you know somebody? And I feel like that's how so much business gets done in this industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just need to make friends and, you know, then your friends will be like, Hey, you do a good job. Here you go. <laughs> this person needs what you're looking for or has what you're looking for. Yeah, totally. So, so um, when it comes to the work that you do with content creation and writing, uh, copywriting, what, exactly do you like to specialize in because there's a million and one things under the sun that people could be like oh i create content like they do video they do subtitle and all these different things but like what's the what are the the core things that you really like to focus on with the clients that you work with and support i like 
uh, blog and article writing, a little bit of a, a larger project scope, um, like mm -hmm. white papers, um, maybe some website stuff. I'm really not a big social media person, never mm -hmm. have been. It's just not really my thing. Um, yeah, I, I like, and I really like talking with people and seeing what they're doing and hearing their story being like, okay, like what's the best way that we can frame this and portray it to the world, you know, and mm -hmm. whatever medium it is, be it a, a blog or an email or a website. Um, you know, I never anticipated being a copywriter. I didn't really see that for myself. Um, and so when, you know, the whole hemp thing revealed itself to me, um, I was like, well, Hey, I, I need to buy food and have a roof over my head. So I will do this and I will I'm enjoy it. And I have learned a lot and I'm grateful for what I've learned. Um, I don't think I'll be a full-time copywriter forever, but it it's, I've found a lot of enjoyment in being able to help people explain what it is that they're doing. And I love hearing people say like, Oh my gosh, like you just made it so much more clear. And like, mm -hmm. now I, now I understand more like what it is that I have to offer and like what I'm doing here. And that's just the best thing to hear. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, if you can go back in time and maybe give, the younger Willow, some advice about breaking out into entrepreneurship, starting your own business, um, paving a new way for yourself. Do you have maybe, you know, one or two or even a couple more like golden nuggets that you would just tell yourself to keep going? Yeah, I would tell myself to just believe in myself more. Uh, I definitely struggled with the whole imposter syndrome thing when I first started. And that's a tricky thing to talk about because, in my opinion, imposter syndrome is rooted internally it, there's not really any external thing that's influencing it like nobody's telling you like oh you suck you can't do it it's like right. that's like an inside voice that's doing it totally like, like are you sure like you know what you're doing um but like i do know what i'm doing and i know that i give 100 percent into everything i do so i would tell myself like believe in yourself all the limitations are just in your head like you need to take things more lightly um and not so seriously um but also, I think as much as I would love to just tell myself that and have my younger self be like, oh, okay, sure. I know that's not how I am. It's something that I needed to grow out of naturally. Um, but on a more like professional note, I would, I would tell myself to make sure that you get your contract together mm. earlier and put it together more objectively um, and try to like separate yourself from that business side of things because you know, I've gone through several iterations where I, I needed to add things like what's the deal with deposits and late payments and, you know, all, all of those things that I don't think are going to happen. But then it shows up and I'm like, oh, I didn't charge enough for this or like, oh, right. I haven't gotten paid yet. I need to have like something in there that's like you can't, it, it, you know, it needs to be on my time also because I need to protect myself as much as I want to protect you. So, you know, I would tell myself to, you know. A, believe in yourself a little bit more and be, you know, be a little more stern and objective. Like, look, I'm, even though it's just me, I am still running my own business and it needs to mm -hmm. be set up in a way that I'm not going to be like, why did I agree to this? You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. That's great advice. And something that I think a lot of people that I think a lot more people should be aware of. Uh, and it's so funny because I've had the same thing happen to me. Um, a lot of those experiences that you that you mentioned, I think it's probably happened to almost everybody uh, that are that are wearing our shoes. And it's just like 
you don't realize sometimes that these things can happen until it really does happen to you, or you may hear about it and you're like, eh, you know, you just got a bad apple, but yeah, <laughs> it does happen. It does happen way more often than we think. And so having those, those, those terms and those clause and, and contracts and agreements definitely helps a lot. And um, even just having like a, like an initial small down payment, just so that people know that there's skin in the game. Now they're more committed. Now they're going to get back to you sooner if you're requesting different assets and things like that. So um, that's great advice, great advice. And so for listeners who may want to connect with you uh, after the show or just learn more about your services, what's the best way for them to do so? So they can connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Willow Grosskreutz, um, or you can go to my website, wordsbywillow.com and fill out the contact form and that will send me an email. Awesome. Perfect. Willow, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Uh, this was a great episode and I'm sure we'll be, we'll be in touch soon and we'll keep the conversation rolling. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Major Journey Podcast. We will catch you all next time. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast... Well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.